Well, hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church, and I have the joy of being the host of this podcast. Here at Deeper Still, we're all about cutting through the chaotic and the mundane to pay attention to what God is doing, what is doing in our lives and the world around us, and how He calls us into a relationship with Him to go deeper still. And so as always, my friends, I'm so glad you chose to join us today. Uh, speaking of today, uh, I am excited to continue our conversation on the book of Ephesians as we dig into Ephesians chapter 2. If you've missed last week's conversation, I encourage you to uh, go back and listen to that, get a little bit of the overview and the context of where we're at, what we're talking about as we dove into chapter 1 last week. But this week, like I said, we're going to continue that conversation with Ephesians chapter 2. And some of you may be familiar with Ephesians chapter 2. You might not know it, but I bet you know it contains probably one of the most um, famous and I know my one of my favorite Bible verses in all of scripture. And it says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And uh, what a beautiful reminder that it's by grace that we have been saved. And so we're going to talk about that today, about what that means to be saved by grace alone. Here to help guide us through this conversation is one of my good friends, one of my most valued ministry partners, Lisa Garvin. You might remember Lisa. She has been a guest on Deeper Still uh, several times, most recently uh, guiding us through some good wisdom on the book of James. And so I'm so excited to have Lisa back here at Deeper Still today. She serves as part of our women's leadership and teaching ministry here at Christ Church. And I have a feeling. Uh, don't tell this to my other group leaders, but if we ran a poll, Lisa would probably be ranked as one of our favorite small group leaders here in the life of the church. Uh, in her day job when she's not uh, volunteering here, Lisa is a licensed social worker at a local high school. She is a mom to four uh, kiddos, and uh, she's an amazing volunteer and servant in her community and beyond. And so whatever you're doing today, wherever you're at, if you have a Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter two. If not, that's okay. Just listen along, but settle in as Lisa and I go deeper still. Well, Lisa, it is so great to have you back on Deeper Still. Um, how, how have you been since the last time we uh, have seen you here? Good. I can't believe um, almost a year has passed since we really got to sit down and, and podcast together and have a conversation. Has it been that long? Yeah, because didn't we do James in the spring of last year, right? You are right. I we know. We did James in the spring, and then we did a bunch of interviews over yes. the summer. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I flew solo over the summer. I missed my amazing conversation partners oh, who well, helped me dig through the scripture. Your summer guests were pretty... Uh, pretty amazing too. So, well, that's one of the things I love about um, just having some freedom and flexibility here at Deeper Still is we have an opportunity to interview people and do some of those things, but then uh, to return to the word and have uh, conversations about what it looks like to study scripture together. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because I have uh, people who often will say, they've probably said it to you too. It's like, I feel like uh, there's just two, two friends having conversation over coffee about the word of God. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a good thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> if we can accomplish that, we're doing all right. That's right. That's good. Oh, uh, well, I'm so glad to have you, um, like I said, back today. I know you have lots of things on your schedule. And so the fact that you've carved out time to do this, I know you're passionate about um, just the word. You're passionate about connecting people to, to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just always just so awesome to have your voice here. And I'm excited as we Thank jump you. into Ephesians chapter two. Yeah. All right. So I have a question for you to start us off. So if someone said to you, um, Lisa, I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want to hear first? <laughs> always the bad news. First. <laughs> you always want to hear the I bad do. news. First. I want to I want to save the good stuff. I'm yeah, I want to delay the gratification. I want to rip the bandaid off and then tell me what what the good stuff is. I think I feel that way too, yeah. right? Because like get the get the especially if someone says they have good news and they have bad news, then it doesn't matter like until you know what the bad news is, it's kind of hard to hear the good news, right? right? And it's kind of hard to celebrate the good news when you know something not so great is coming up after it. So, I want to be able to sit and celebrate with whatever that good news is, so get the bad stuff out of the way first. <laughs> I think I agree with you. I wonder mm-hmm. if our listeners are probably in the same boat as well. It might be a good poll. I don't know. It That's, might be a good yeah. poll. Maybe we'll ask people when we post this on social media. Maybe that could be something. They yeah. are you a good news person, bad news person? What what comes? What do first? you want? What do you want to hear first? Um, well, I'm glad that you answered the question the way that you did because today we. Um, Definitely have some good news and some bad mm-hmm. news. As we look at Ephesians chapter two, the good thing is uh, that God never leaves us with the bad news. <laughs> There's always good news. But sometimes when we walk through the scripture, when we dig into our Bible, there are things where we have to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. We have to um, really sit with the fact that there are certain truths in this life that don't always feel good, mm-hmm. but um, they're true and we need to know them. Mm-hmm. I heard... Uh, was I was looking into the scripture and I was and was digging into some some other um, pastors and sermons of people that I really admire on this particular scripture. One man that was preaching said, "You know, the bad news hurts. It's the yucky stuff, right, of where we came from. But would any of us want to go to a doctor that, because he wanted to spare our feelings, just said?" I, I won't tell them that they're terminal. I won't mm. tell them that they have a disease that needs to be fixed because I just don't want them to feel bad. So I'm just going to leave that part out. And if you don't know what the bad stuff is, you can't heal and get better. You can't be restored. Mm. And so um, Paul is going to take us back through the bad news again. But there's restoration and there's hope. So the good news is coming. So well said. Yep, the good news is coming. Well, we're going to focus this conversation mostly on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Well, at the very end, just touch on the rest of that this chapter, but we've just decided for the sake of time, uh, we can't always cover everything that we want to cover, so we're going to focus in on these first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. And here we are talking about bad news, and um, some people listening have no idea what we're talking about if they don't have a Bible open before them. So um, actually, I'm going to have you, just start us off. We're not going to read all 10 verses. Uh, We do like to read the scripture here at Deeper Still to give people context of where we're at. But let's just start with those first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. Mm. 
What version of scripture is that? Revised Standard Version. Okay, I should have so mentioned that's, that in the beginning. Okay, that's Do you want okay. me to read it again in the NIV? Uh, read it in the NIV, or yeah. we can talk through it, just because I know some people may... Um, not that they're, I want to clarify, nothing wrong with the, R, the RSV. No. I don't mean it that way. But just because they may have some different um, language. And I might actually read it in the message as well, just to give us the full yeah. feel. So go ahead. I'll read it in the NIV. Okay. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at what time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Mm. I was going to say good stuff, but this mm-hmm. is this doesn't mm-hmm. feel good when we read this because it reminds us a truth about who we are. And, and I, I want to caveat by this saying, being reminded of the truth about who we are as, as people who um, are sinful, are broken, uh, of what we don't have when we live apart from God. Like you said, it's good to be reminded mm-hmm. of those things because it reminds us of the hope we have. And so mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 4, and so I don't mind going dark and moody. Like I kind of live in like dark and moody, so it's okay with me <laughs> if we if we sit with this a little bit. But I just want to remind our listeners, too, that, uh, you know, Ephesians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written primarily um, to believers in Ephesus who are Gentile believers. They're not Jewish people. And so uh, when we start out here, and Paul is saying, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Um, This reminder of you are the Gentiles, right? You are the people who who have historically been outside of the promises of God. And so Paul starts out reminding them, as for you, You were dead in your transgressions and your sins. But then immediately he reminds us also that all of us, all of us at one time lived in this place. All of us at one time were dead in our transgressions and sins. It doesn't matter um, where we came from. I think this is relevant today, right? Because oh, it doesn't matter what our stories are. It doesn't matter if we grew up in the church. It doesn't matter if if our past is just something that we um, you know, feel like you know, we'd never want to let it out of our closet because we're not sure what people would think. We need to remind it, Paul right here is setting the, uh, leveling the playing field. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but guess what? Not only were you dead in your transgressions and sins, I was dead in my transgressions and sin because that is the nature of where all of us are apart from Jesus Christ. So Lisa, when you, uh, as you've reflected, you, you actually, you're a teacher in our women's ministry. You taught on this passage this morning. I got to listen to you live, which was awesome. I'm going to hear you again tonight. We actually have a channel, uh, a YouTube, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, Christchurch Women's Ministry on YouTube. If anyone is interested, we have the teaching each week on Ephesians Up, and Lisa taught this morning, did such a great job. So if you want to watch that, feel free to go to that. But when you think about this idea, and as you wrestled with your teaching this morning, what it meant for us to be dead in our transgressions and sins. What kicked up for you? I think for me, it was uh, the realization that there was nothing any of us could do. It wasn't a process of dying, or I think I said this morning, even being on life support. There was no hope, dead, empty, 
death. You're not going to go to um, something that has died and expect it to participate. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And so um, the realization is that spiritual death has already happened. It's not something you earned your way into. It's not something that you did and you got that sentence. It just, by nature, being that we're sinful, we're dead in our transgressions. And so that as I think the finality that there was absolutely um, – it is what it is. That's what Paul is calling out. And I like that he says, as you pointed out, that at verse 3, all of us also lived among them. I think that that is easy for us to forget, which is why Paul is is wanting for us to remember. I shared this morning um, a, a visual, a picture that I shared. I have um, columns in my in my house, something that I always wanted. And so when my husband and I did some remodeling, I just was super excited to be able to incorporate that into my decor. And um, 20 years later, I walk past those columns every single day, and I never see them, Mm. never see it. Which for me, when I read these verses, I just think Paul wanted us to pause, turn our head back just for a moment to remember how far we've come, how ugly the sin that we were dealing with and we were guilty of looked, and in doing so, you begin to appreciate all over again and refresh the redemption that we've received through Christ Jesus. Yeah, amen. Well, and I love you brought up a couple of things. First of all, you said it's the nature of who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think for some of us, even listening to you talk, when we think about, well, my past wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. You know, like, sure, I'm not a perfect person or I've done things that were wrong, but like my sin, you know, is not that messy and ugly. And for others of us sit there and think, oh my gosh, if you even knew, mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you even knew what my life used to look like. And I think that the stabilizer of this is the fact that the fact that we were dead in our transgressions and sins have nothing has nothing to do with um, the weight of our sin, you know, or right. the, uh, the uh, level at which we yes. want to put the sin in, right? Right, yeah. right. No. Nothing to do with that. We were dead not because of our behavior, but because of our identity. I love that you just said it's not like we're there's such a thing as being half dead. Right. You know, it's like when the doctor declares time of death, it's not like, well, they're 80% of the way there. Uh, dead means dead. And this fact that when we were dead in our transgressions and our sins, it's not because of anything that has to do with our behavior. It's our identity and who we are apart from the saving grace of Jesus right, Christ. Right. And I um, also there's a scripture and Paul references later that we're you know we're born of Adam, and Adam sinned, and because of Adam's sin, sin entered the world, and we're all generations later guilty of the same transgression and sin because of who we were born into. We weren't born into Christ by birth. Right, right. And so understanding that first and foremost is ontologically, like how, you know, we we are dead in our transgressions and our sins apart from Jesus Christ. But then Paul also puts in here that because of that, there are certain things that we do when we don't allow the transforming grace of Jesus to come into our lives or that's not part of who we are. When we live apart from Christ, then we gratify, as he says, the cravings of our flesh and it's following uh, and follow its desires mm-hmm. and its thoughts because we become our own God, right? We become the the um, the 
pursuit of our life becomes just to satisfy whatever cravings, whatever whatever thing comes up, we are the own, our own center of our world. And so we don't have anything to live outside of that. Right, right. Our, we make ourselves God, essentially. And yeah. by doing so, serving our own nature, apart from God, you're essentially serving Satan. I mean, we're choosing him because we're saying that God's not good enough. God's not sovereign. God's word is not trustworthy when we're choosing to live a life in our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like when we're in that place of, of choosing to live for, our si- sinful, live for our sinful nature, it's like we don't even always know that that's no. what we're doing. We're not right. aware of it, right? Right. right. And, and so, as Paul says, it's our, it's so infiltrated into who we are. It's our desires and our thoughts. And I mean, our our motivation all comes right out of that. And until we're until we're made aware of that sinful nature, to your point, we don't know that that is what is motivating who we are and what we do. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not to say that when we become believers, it doesn't mean we don't still sin and mm-hmm. we don't mess it up and we don't make mistakes. Or aren't tempted. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But what the flip is that we're going to get to in a minute is that we're no longer dead right. in our transgressions and sins, that there is hope right. on the other side of that. Uh, Paul also throws this phrase in here and he says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Mm -hmm. Again, he's reminding us that we're all in the same boat. Uh, But this is something we don't really talk a lot about, uh, talk a lot about because it feels, um, you know, we don't want to point the finger at people. And I certainly don't want this to come across that way. But we don't like to talk about that because we're dead in our transgressions and sins. What we actually deserve mm-hmm. um, is the wrath of God. What do you have to <laughs> add to that? What What is that kick up for you when you read that? Well, I think the word wrath is, is uh, we don't use it very often. So I think it's sometimes a struggle. Um, when you're when you're bringing that up, what does it look like to be children of wrath? But we are, if you're not um, made aware of that sinful nature, since we were already dead in it, it's all death. There's no hope. There's no life. There's no. Um, it's just death and darkness, yeah. and that's wrath. I mean, it's it's eternity. It's eternal separation from God. Yeah. And you, you quoted this this morning, uh, Romans three twenty three, right? Mm-hmm. For the wages of sin is death. What we deserve because of our sin, uh, is death, right? We, we, we have eternal separation from God. If there's not something there that fixes what we, uh, or protects us from what we actually deserve. And I love this morning, you show, you shared a couple of, uh, stats about, um, how we think about ourselves as pretty good people. Yeah, it's it's countercultural to say that our that we're born sinful, right? None of us want to believe we all pretty good people. To your point, we we mirror ourselves against one another. Well, at least I didn't kill somebody. Well, at least I didn't cheat on my spouse. But um, ultimately, if you look at scripture, it says no, 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 no. This applies to all of you. But these, I, I pulled up some uh, a survey. It was a survey of, I think, about 2,000 people just to see, like, who thinks they're good. Like, our perception is not that we need a Savior, right? Our perception is, overall, I'm a, I'm a pretty decent person. And 81% of people that were surveyed believe that, overall, humankind is inherently good. 81% of all people they consider inherently good. 
Three out of four of those people that were surveyed said they themselves are fundamentally a good person. And this is the one that really got me. One out of two people believe they are the best person they know. I love it. Of course, that means you and I sitting here. One of us is the best person we know. Well, and I know I'm right. So. But I love that. I mean, like, that is truly, that's all part of that sinful narrative, right? To be like, I'm not that bad, you know? And we're in a culture where we want to, again, measure sin or measure a transgression. And Paul is is hitting it once more saying, no, 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 no. None of that can be measured. None of it is on a scale of one to 10. All of us lived and we were born into that sinful condition. Yeah. It's sin isn't something we just do once in a while and we are like, oh, shoot, sorry, forgive me. It's a condition of the heart that we have that we need to be healed from. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not about behavior. It goes back right. to that identity. Mm-hmm. And there is only one answer that can ultimately uh, remedy our yep. problem of sin. And so we've spent a lot of time just now talking about the bad news. And we did that intentionally. We stayed there for a minute because it's only when you really understand the bad news that then you can celebrate what is to come. You can celebrate the good news. And so Lisa, give us some good news here as Paul moves on and starting in verse four, what is the good news? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace Mm -hmm. expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Praise be to God. Praise be to God, right? Mm -hmm. Praise be to God that he doesn't, two things, that he doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't leave us in our transgression. He doesn't leave us without a way out. And second of all, that it doesn't depend on us. Right, right. (laughs) That we are not the ones who save ourselves. It doesn't depend on anything that we can do to remedy Mm -hmm. the problem that we have apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, I love, we talked earlier this morning about Verse four starts with the word, but. Mm. And often I remember as a kid when you're like, I didn't, but. So it negates everything that was said prior to that. And and Paul is saying that is true. All the bad news was true, but because of great love for us. So all of that is is washed away through the blood of Jesus, through the love of God, that he has made that bridge for us mm. to come back to him. Mm. And those are two of the most beautiful words in scripture, but God, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When you think about how many of those moments that we have been through or encountered, um, we think about we would have been in this place, but God, you know, this certain thing would have happened, but God, my life would have looked Mm -hmm. this way, very different. But God, and I, I think as people are listening today, maybe that's just something they need to just reflect on and sit with. What are those moments in their lives where they come to and they know, they know without a shadow of the doubt that things would have turned out a certain way, but, but God. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true in my story. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. love the, um, the things that, that even Paul points out in these, these verses, right? We were dead in our sin. That is true but God made us alive. We were stuck in those passions of the flesh, but 
God raised us up. And we were bound by those chains from the enemy, but God seated us in the heavenly place. We deserved nothing, but God gives us the riches of his grace. I mean, those action verbs that we are that we're receiving on the back end and I I you may be pointing this out in a little bit but you know that raised us up seated us that is all past tense that work has been done for us so like you were just sharing a moment ago like it's nothing that we've done mm-hmm. nothing we do raises us up nothing we do can seat us at the heavenly place but God yeah amen but God mm-hmm. and but God because of his richness and mm-hmm. his mercy and his grace and I think that that's something that we can take such encouragement in both for ourselves in our own journeys and our own stories but also when I think about um, people we love people mm-hmm. we love who are struggling people who um, and maybe it's us or maybe it's those people we love that are we just see them so far from God mm-hmm. we see them trapped in Mm -hmm. addiction or um, depression or they're just caught up in a sin, the sin cycle that just they can't seem to break, that it seems like when we look, it just seems so deep and so hopeless. And we just need to remind ourselves, uh, 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 it's never hopeless, Mm -hmm. but God, but God. God." And maybe there's people listening today who need that reminder for themselves that they feel like they're caught in a place they just can't pull themselves out of. And the truth is, you're right. You can't pull yourself out by yourself. But God. Whenever I hear those two words or I read that scripture, I can't help but get the visual out of my head of the dawn breaking from the night into Mm. the morning. You know, I feel like... Darkness always, you know, reminds me of that ugly sin and the transgression. Then when you go to the scripture, but God, I just see the dawn breaking and the Mm -hmm. sun rising. And that is exactly, I think, my word picture for my story, you know, with where God is. Like he brought the sunshine. He brings the daylight um, and the joy in the morning. Yeah. Well, and Lisa, just because I I know part of your story, you know, you lost your father at a very young age. You Mm -hmm. were 13 years old when your um, father passed away. And I'm sure there was a moment where as a teenager, you know, that, that I can't imagine trying to understand that as a teenager, but I'm sure there was a place in your life where you wondered if there was going to be a but God moment. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you're, I think they come more in the the times of um, I can see the but God at work most of the time, mm-hmm. um, and that is um, you know all glory to God for that that He was able to you know I was fortunate enough to be raised in the church so my knowledge of of God and the work that He can do um, was revealed to me multiple times mm-hmm. so I would see the ugly the unfairness the um, you know. The times that friends, you know, dad took them out for dinner or dad called them when they were in college or their dad walked them down the aisle. Those were very hurtful still and painful, but God Mm -hmm. can replace and did replace for me some of those empty feelings and and the sadness and the anger. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, that's where I feel again, that picture of where the sun comes up. He just shines himself on me in the darkest places. Mm, that's really beautiful. Mm. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I think it's also such a great reminder. You know, we're talking about how we were dead in our transgressions and sin as an identity mm. and that but God for his richness or for his mercy and for his grace comes in and rescues us. 
He delivers us mm-hmm. from that state of being, but also as we walk through our everyday lives, as we experience things in our lives that feel like we're very far apart from God or that God's not present or he's not there, he also shows up in those moments. He doesn't mm-hmm. just show up. He's there mm-hmm. all, already. But as you just shared, it's not just one moment. Mm-hmm. He journeys with us along the way and reminds us, but God, but God, right. but God. Right, right. He doesn't just uh, take care of one situation and say, all right, we've wrapped that up, put it away. Yeah. Um, it's a consistent abiding. And I even shared this morning, not only um, do we receive you know, a, we have a great love from God who's rich in mercy and made us alive in Christ. That in and of itself is enough. Mm. But then he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit and that constant abiding of the Holy Spirit to reveal new things to us, to allow us to live um, a life that is, you know, not falling into the temptations that come to us, um, giving us the escape route from temptation and sin and falling short. He gives us that power tool. Paul even spoke um, in the end of chapter 1, um, in verse 19. He's In his prayer, he's praying that we as believers might know this power that he has given to us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead mm. is also available to me and you in our daily lives. And I just wonder, if I lived every day thinking I had the power... What more would I do for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. What daring steps would I take knowing that I am empowered by the same power that brought Jesus out of the grave? What does the Holy Spirit want to do through me? Not because of me, but through me if I trusted more. And that is something we don't think about in our day-to-day life. I know I don't think of you know, in my day-to-day life, walking through and saying, I have the power, the mm-hmm. same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in, in me. You. Yeah. What? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's something I think we have to return to time and Absolutely. time again, because we get into these places and think, oh, I can't do that. Or this situation can't be redeemed. Or, you know, I don't have the confidence or the courage to step into my calling, all of these kinds of different things. And we need to remind each Mm -hmm. other and say, you know what? No, 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 that's not true. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you now. I mean, that's that's kind of a mind-blowing reality of of the world uh, that we inhabit every day as followers of Christ. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the song, and I, I don't recall who sings it. But there is a, a, a song, a popular contemporary Christian song that says, the same power that, you know, pulled Jesus out of the grave is alive in you and me. And when I sing it... And you can sing. I should make you sing it. <laughs> no. Uh, but I, you know, I know it, I sing it, but it's so easy to forget, right? We have so many negative narratives that come at us in our, in our culture and all the reasons why we fall short and all the incapable... Um, abilities I have to not do something that perhaps I feel God's calling me into, I need to just trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like His job is to equip me to do it. I don't need to feel and explain away all the reasons why you don't want me. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking uh, your work as a licensed social worker, I mean, you probably see that narrative running through youth today and Mm. uh, in so many different ways. And I'm sure you as a believer and you work in the school system are probably wanting to look over these kids and just say, oh my goodness, if you only knew, Mm. you know, just so true, just wanting them to know the truth and know Mm. that you don't have to live in this narrative anymore. I, I, I just, 
think that would be a really uh, empowering place for you to be and also a difficult place for you to be because you can't fix everything. <laughs> no, you can't fix everything. I do, you know, I, you're limited as to um, being in that public setting as to how much you can share or what you can say. But I pray over these kids in their heartache. And I pray that other people that can speak into their lives speak in because there's so much sadness and there's so many narratives that are coming at them to telling, to tell them where they're not enough. And, um, you know, I, I could name names of kids that I've sat with. I've sat with girls that have actually been trafficked and wept with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I continue to pray for them long-term and that, um, yeah, I just want them to know the power of the Holy Spirit. I want them to to know the healer, to know that all those transgressions is part of that sinful nature that we can leave behind. Yeah. Because, but God has been made right through Christ Jesus. Yeah. And I want them to know him. And I think our young people today, especially, like they need that message. They mm-hmm. need to be reminded. Maybe that's a prayer I need to just pray mm-hmm. over the kids I know and, and you know, my own children. And just when I think about the youth in this church, and I just know there are so many narratives running through them that they need to be reminded. But God, you guys, come on, right. just hang right. in there. But God. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's a, I don't know, maybe that's a prayer we all start praying. Uh, Absolutely. Over. When you drive past your school in your community, when you see kids walking, I mean, the, the devil is so, um, he just, is, they're under attack. Mm. Their mental health is under attack. There's so much anxiety and depression happening in our, in our young people in today, and they need the hope that only God can give them. Amen. Amen. I love how speaking of the Holy Spirit, he brings stuff like this up. Mm-hmm. That was a whole tangent we weren't going on, but I just think that's so important. I have kind mm-hmm. of goosebumps just thinking about the power of those two words and just the hope that it brings that we can um, offer to people when we're willing to pray that with them. Amen. Uh, you know, there's another little phrase in this um, section, and then we'll we'll hit verse 10 here about being God's handiwork. But there's another little phrase in this um let me see here. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive. So there's the contrast Paul used. We were dead in our transgressions, but because, but God, he made us alive in Christ. And again, that's a reality of who we are here in this life every day and who we are in eternity. It's like, you know, you hear people say eternity doesn't begin when you die and go to heaven. Eternity begins now. Yeah. And this this reality that we're living in that now, but not yet. And just um, even as, as Paul throughout the book, of Ephesians talks about the heavenly realms and the reality that there is a a truth to the heavenly realms here and now that we have access to because of what Christ has done, because he's seated on the throne, um, but that also we won't know fully until uh, we we get there. I don't, that's not a very theological phrase. <laughs> when we see <laughs> him face to face. I, I just have to say this. This is uh, totally an aside. Uh, I went, I went out to visit my daughter, Sadie. She goes to, um, she's out in Phoenix, Arizona. We went to church with her. She was so excited of all the things that we did. We went to the Grand Canyon we went to Sedona. We, you know, hung out with her friends. We went to basketball game, but she was most excited for us to show her her, her new church Aww. that she found. And so we went and uh, at the end of the sermon, the last song they sing was, uh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing yes. that will be. It's yeah. like an old hymn and she's singing it. And there, there's all these college kids singing it. And I looked at her, I go, how do you know this song? Like I didn't, my kids didn't grow up on hymns. And she's like, mom, we sing the song like every week. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, 
oh, what a great reminder when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that that will be. be. Uh, But we also have that reality now of that rejoicing uh, because we know the reality that we were once dead in our transgressions by God. Uh, Now we're made alive in Christ. And so um, I just, I I love that picture and that encouragement for especially people listening who might be feeling a little down today, Mm -hmm. just that need that reminder. And that's our inheritance. That's when it talks about where he's rich in mercy and, and the inheritance that we have that's coming in the day to come. And we've already been given that our name has been written down. It's been sealed. And again, living into that, what does it look like to live as a person who has been seated at the table with the creator of the universe? We need more messages like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just even getting our mind wrapped around that because this word seated that is in this passage too. And for those uh, women listening who are doing our study with us that we're walking through, we have kind of a verb each week that we're focusing on. And and seated is the verb this week. And one of the things that the author of this study brought out that I thought was super interesting that when she talks about, uh, or when Paul talks about Christ being seated, the fact that, um, you know, he he is seated and meaning it is, it is finished. The work is done because the priests in the Old Testament, they never sat down. You know, when they were giving sacrifices, when they were due, they, they never sat down in the fact that Jesus is seated and how that's our reality that now we are seated with him because the work is finished. Like, it's like, how do you just even, you just need to sit with that to just even get Well, your mind it even gives new that. meaning to the words that Jesus said on the cross, mm-hmm. right? Often when we see a, a movie about Christ's death on the cross, he'll say the three words, it is finished. And we think, well, this, that's the end. It's bigger than that. It's about the work has been done. Yeah. It is finished. Yeah. And then the veil was torn after that. And there was no more need for that intercessor other than Christ Jesus on our yeah. behalf, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's a we though that are doers mm-hmm. <laughs> wanna work a little like yeah. tell me what to do. I wanna do. I I'll get yeah. there. Just you know, and and Christ is our example. It's been done. Yeah. Yeah. All you have to do is receive that gift. That's right. And we can't do it for ourselves, no. which is what this passage mm-hmm. is all about. Because if we did it for ourselves, you know we'd boast about it. Oh, my ego would be bigger ever. than it is already. <laughs> we, we already know that we like ourselves more than any other human being. because One out of two right? people say so. <laughs> so it's like God knows our penchant yes. to be boastful. And if we could do it ourselves, we would. And humans throughout time have been trying to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is just a reminder. Guess what? You can't. And God mm-hmm. designed it that way because he wants to receive. Uh, It's only what he can do. It's a gift Mm -hmm. from him. And so we're going to get to um, that piece about, you know what, though, that doesn't mean that we just sit around and bask in the fact that, oh, we're so happy we're saved, you know. Um, God does prepare stuff for us to do. But I want to, I started to go back here and then I went off on like three tangents and I just want to come back to it because it's one of my favorite things in all of scripture and I don't want our, our audience to miss it. So uh, in verse uh, four, when he says he's made us uh, live in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. And I think this is a really important point I just want to bring up because I think so often we think that we will receive these blessings or or, or um, the work will be finished when we get our act together mm-hmm. and we finally figure out uh, how we're going to present ourselves as someone who's a pretty decent person right before God. And once we figure that out and get our act together, then then the work 
can be finished. Then God will see us as worthy and uh, deliver us. And it's like, ah, 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 that's not the way this goes. That even when we were dead in our transgressions, even way before we knew God, uh, before, before we know, were born, before we were born, as we saw before the foundation of the world, right? And in chapter one, even when we were lying in the ditch with all of our sin just covered over us, even then, God, but God, God was rich in mercy. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, the work was finished. And so it is this interesting place to say it was already done. We can't do it. God doesn't wait for us to get together. We have a responsibility. So there's still an action on our part in terms of receiving the gift, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing that we can do. And I just, I just want people to hear that too that God's not waiting for you to get your act together mm-hmm. or to look a certain way or yeah. to shine yourself up mm-hmm. yeah to achieve a certain mm-hmm. amount to have the right kind of family it's not about perfect to live Sunday, in the right house quote, quote, the, quote the scriptures it's not about how many bible verses you know mm-hmm. it's not about how many Sundays you've been at church or how many um, A's you got on your report card it has nothing to do with our performance yeah. and everything to do with him yeah I, I will never forget when I was um um, in my 20s, something-ish, Eric and I, we were newly married. We started going to this small church uh, outside of Pittsburgh, which we talk about all the time, people that know us. It was just such a foundational part of who we were and just uh, forming us in community and, and shaping us. And um, I remember at the time we were going to church there, we were super involved with a small group and just this church was everything to us as a new married couple. We just loved it so much. And I was working in downtown Pittsburgh at the time. I worked at a PR firm and there was a woman I worked with and we became really good friends. And, um, I really enjoyed being around her. She was actually ended up being my, my boss. She wasn't that much older than me, but, uh, we worked a lot, had a lot of fun together. Um, but she, um, she had a penchant for alcohol and she drank quite a bit, uh, we would ever go out together. She would always be overserved, would drink quite a bit. And when she was one of those people who, when they got drunk, just venom spewed mm-hmm. out of her. And I was always the target for whatever reason. I don't know why. I was the target of just her sarcasm, her anger, her snide remarks. It just kind of all spewed at me. And um, I remember sharing that with my small group and they're saying, well, invite her to church, mm. right? She needs to, this is where she needs to be. And I remember thinking, but you guys, no, 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 no. She's not ready for that. She's not, <laughs> she's not ready. She's, she's got a little work to do before we bring her mm. here. And the, the real reason was I didn't want her in my safe right. spot. Right. I was afraid that what that would mean for me by inviting her into this community that I loved. And I will never forget, um, she actually did start coming with us and there was a point where she wanted to be baptized. And I remember even then me resisting with my small group and saying, you guys, she's not ready for that. Like she's not, she's not, I was saying like, she's basically not good enough yet. Um, and I just will never forget just in love them saying to me, Sue Ann, God doesn't wait for us to get our act Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. before we come to him. He meets us in the process. And I am so glad as a 23-year-old, I had people in my life who were much older than me who sat me down and reminded me of that truth because I've carried it with me ever since then. Well, isn't that what Paul just did, Mm. right? I mean, I'm sure there were believers that started to get a little confident, a little um, arrogant about their faith right? They were walking with the Lord and this person might not be walking with the Lord and how much better am I? And Paul's like, no, Mm. hold up. We were all in there in the beginning. We all have that same yucky stain of sin on our heart. 
it doesn't matter as long as you come for baptism, right? We didn't have to be, uh, there was no shiny step, no right. shiny, you know, polishing we had to do, no steps that we had to go through to say that we were ready for that. Yeah. Um, it's just receiving the gift, believing in, in the faith comes in, yeah. um, and believing that who God is who he says he is. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure Paul, even though he's writing this letter to the Gentile believers, like the Jewish people had to be reminded mm-hmm. that, you know what, you guys, the, mm-hmm. the table is big enough. We're all seated at this right. table. There's lots of open chairs for everyone because the Jewish people probably would have had a similar response to what I had, but like, oh, wait, 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 they're not ready yet. They're not our people. They don't know better. It's not part of their story. And yet Paul, like you said, he reminds us. That's God's. That's God, mm-hmm. it's God's big vision for right. His kingdom. Is there's always room at the table. Well, let's move on because we have a few minutes here left. Let's move on to these last couple verses. Uh, I don't know if it's nine and ten or just ten. I don't have it marked well just enough. 10. Just ten. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, where Paul moves into. Um, reminding us that because of all these good things, because we have now, we were dead and now we've been made alive, that it's grace by which we've been saved, that it's a gift because of all this. He reminds us we are God's handiwork. And this word handiwork um, is Greek uh, for this word that's used uh, throughout the scripture. It's, it's Greek for something that specifically means the kind of creating done by God. That, that God shapes something with his own hands. Another version of this says, we are the work of his hands. We are his mm. handiwork. We have been formed and shaped. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And Lisa, we just spent all this time reminding people, it's not about us. It's not about what we do. We don't want to boast. It's all about God. And then right here, Paul is like, but we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What do you what do you make of that? How do we reconcile those two things? Uh, one of the the pieces to this I found is that Paul did tell us already, right? Like you said, the, our good works are not the root of our salvation. They have nothing to do with salvation. But he's now saying that they are the fruit of our salvation. Mm-hmm. That we recognize the lavishness, the amazing gift that we've been given with um, forgiveness of sins, eternity with Jesus, to be covered um, as an heir, you know, equal to the inheritance that Christ receives as God's son. He's saying out of that, we want to respond with, with goodness for others, to God's glory. And God wants us to take part in that. Paul also uses the, the word picture of us being all part of one body, mm-hmm. Christ being the head of the body, but we are all parts of one body, and the body needs all of the parts to function together. Yes. And so if we don't then respond with our actions, then the body isn't fully functioning. And what we want to do is bring more people into the good news. We want all to be forgiven and to recognize what God has done for them. And so it's in response to that that he's prepared good works for us to do. All we have to do is step into that and yes. walk into it. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this when we studied James last year, that mm-hmm. faith without works is dead. It's dead. And there has been a lot of theological debate on these two scriptures because you have Paul who is writing about grace, and then he, he puts this piece in, and then James is like, oh, wait, no, 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 but faith mm-hmm. without works is dead. And Paul's like, it's about faith. And, and this is like a good link between those two things because those two ideas are not incompatible with one another. They are actually um, the same part, as you just said, 
embodiment of the body of Christ, mm. that yes, uh, we can't save ourselves, but God created us to do good works, that there is a calling that he puts on each of our lives, that he's given us gifts and experiences and stories. You know, he's given us our shadow narratives that we've been talking about. He gives us uh, our redemption stories. He takes all of this beautiful um, mess of who we are. And then he says, okay, I've been shaping you. I've been forming you. I've put this in you. And now, now go do the things that I've called you to do. And not just do it because, uh, you know, to, to uh, use our gifts, but to actually build up mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. to serve. There's always that mm-hmm. outward piece of it to actually serve others. And I know you have, you know, you uh, are such a servant hearted person. I feel like you're just a beautiful picture of, of what that looks like of using your gifts. You're always one of the first people to jump in to help. I know you and Bart just support so many great ministries around this area. It's just a beautiful picture of what mm-hmm. that means. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's, it's a privilege. I mean, that's the, it's not a have to, it's mm. a get to, mm. right? And um, none of us, as as Paul said at the beginning, none of us deserve it, but we've received it. And so what am I going to do out of gratitude for that receiving that I've given or been been given? Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, to people who are listening today to, who might be thinking, but what, what do I have to offer? And it's just, oh, so much, right? Just well, it, There is so much. And I feel, again, like our culture glamorizes the big stuff. Yes. But I, I as I sat with this a little bit and, and preparing for today, you know, looking at what, okay, so what are those good works? And, and um, you know, it might be the person who goes on, you know, writes a book and goes on tour, or it might be speakers that get to go to conferences or the person who created, you know, something really cool to help um, the less fortunate, you know, those are the people that get um, raised up in our culture, right? Not raised up in the eyes of God, but our culture raises them up. But it's even the little things. And I began to think about um, one of the ministry roles that I took over at one time was involving MOPS, which is uh, Mothers of Preschoolers. So shout out to all our MOPS (laughs) moms out there. I love them. Um, And and obviously, when you're involved with mothers of preschoolers, you are a mother of preschoolers. And so I was um, at one time in the coordinator role. And a former coordinator just is a servant made me a dinner every night that we had steering team meeting and delivered it to my house. Mm. That is a good work. Mm. Nobody else knew about it. She wasn't raised up in front of a large people, large body of people and applauded. It's just the little things. I even think of the prayer warriors, the number of people that that sent me a text and said they're praying for me. What greater privilege is there? What other good work is there to do than lift someone up before the Father? Mm. And those are the things. Um, they don't have to be big and grandiose. They can. Many, most of them are small and mighty that most go unseen, but they are all good works that are building the kingdom and letting our light shine and directing others toward him. Yes. Amen. That's such a beautiful word. And it's, you know, we're not going to go through the rest of chapter two, but it's where Paul takes us to again is, is he reminds the Gentiles again of the bad news. <laughs> uh, but then he, he reminds them again of this, this good news. And he, he couches it in a way that it's not just about us individually, but it's mm. about the body. It's mm. about us as a community of believers. And I might've said this last week when we're talking about the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, more than any other book in the Bible, really is about building up the church. Mm-hmm. It's a letter not just to you, Lisa, individually, but a letter to the church and what that looks like when we serve one another with love, when we do those good works that God has called us to do, and how that impacts 
the whole body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes the church a reflection then of who Christ is and who he wants the world to know as him as and not all of these narratives that the culture has about god not just about us you know but but uh that they have about who god is we are a reflection of that by how we live our lives yeah i mean right jesus is a servant leader you know and so if we enter into that good work or discerning what it is that that god prepared for us to do it's all in the heart of servanthood yeah you know that that is the example that was left for us yeah. Um, and there are so many ways to figure out if you're sitting there questioning, like, what what do I have to offer? Um, there's so many things that we can do to discern what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, you know, being in community, as you were just mentioning, Paul talks about us being part of that body to be united. This letter was written about that. And, and it is spending time. Um, with fellow believers, spending time in the Word of God, listening. And I confess, that's hard for me to do. I'm a talker. I want to fill the space. I want to have dialogue, but I don't necessarily sit around and wait for God to dialogue to me. I love talking to Him. Um, But I know He wants to speak into me. So being able to be still and listen, um, being intentional, um, asking others, you know, calling out what you see in each other, um, trusting what someone sees in you. taking a spiritual gift inventory. And if you don't know what that is, you can Google that. And there are so many online resources. It's just a little questionnaire that you could take that would begin to show you some of the giftings that maybe are inherent in you. And you don't even know yourself that God has wired you for something. That's right. And then be able to seek out opportunities um, for a way to to be able to serve and become part of the functioning body of Christ. Yes. And when we do that, uh, you never know the impact that you're going to have on another life. You never know how God might use you to show someone else that, yes, they were, might be, or were dead in their transgressions and sins. Their life might not be living. They might be gratifying Mm. those parts of their, their flesh and their, their desires where they are the center of their own universe. And you never know how, when Mm -hmm. you step into the places God has called, how you might be exactly the person Mm -hmm. that someone else needs to be reminded, but God, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. God. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Lisa, I hate to say it because this time always goes so by so quickly, but we are out of time. And oh. so I'm going to give you the last word. If there's any last word or word of encouragement uh, that you want to share with our listeners today. Oh, I just, uh, if you're going to stamp any scriptures on your heart, if you're if you're wondering which ones are are at the top, I would say these first 10 verses are. Paul reminds us of who we were, but he affirms who we are. And what our um, who we're going to be for eternity for eternity in these scriptures, and that um, you know it's through it's but God right, yeah. and it's in Christ and through the blood of Christ. Like these are just so good. Yeah. Well, my friend, that's a perfect word to leave us uh, with today. And so as always, it's been a pleasure to be with you. It's been a pleasure to sit and learn from your wisdom and your stories. So thanks so much for sharing with us, for being so open and vulnerable, and uh, just for gracing us with your presence today. Always love being with you, Sam. Well, friends, as always, no matter where you find yourself on your journey today, I hope God has used this conversation to meet you exactly where you're at, to remind you of his great mercy and his love, to remind you that his grace is always big enough, no matter what you may be facing today. So be encouraged by that truth today. 
If you've enjoyed today's episode or any of the episodes that we have here on Deeper Still, uh, please go ahead and share that on social media, rate us on Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast app is, pass it along to a friend, or maybe even invite uh, some of your friends or a friend to join in a conversation as we continue to study the book of Ephesians together. If you're looking to join a small group, if you're local to the area, uh, visit us at ChristChurchWomen.us, or you can follow us on Facebook, not Facebook, Facebook or Instagram at ChristChurchWomen, and we'd love to uh, share a little bit more about how you can connect, get connected to the amazing community that we um, have here. I also wanted to let you know if you're local, if you are looking for a night out, okay, ladies, it's uh, going to be the end of February soon, and I know that you're ready to get out of your house, so we have a place for you. We're going to be hanging out at Blackberry Market in LaGrange on Thursday, February 24th from 6 to 9 p.m. for no other reason than uh, to have just some fellowship together to connect with one another to maybe meet some new friends or maybe grab that friend or neighbor or small group and just have a a great night out over conversation and some great food. Registration is live on the website that I shared just a minute ago, Christchurch.us forward slash women. Tickets are $10. That includes your food and drink. So I don't know where you're going to go and get uh, food and drink and an awesome night out for 10 bucks, but you could do it here. So uh, come on out. I would love to meet you if I hadn't had an opportunity yet, but more importantly, I'd love to just see a group full of women who are enjoying one another's company. So be sure to join us for that. Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, We will be back here in two weeks to continue this conversation. So be sure uh, to stop by and listen in. Until then, have a great day. Don't forget to pay attention how God might be calling you to go deeper still.